Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. Because if there's no date and no time, it's not a plan, it's an idea. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another insightful episode of Dates and Mates, and welcome to 2023. The new year, it signifies change and rebirth for many of us. It's a time of reflection and growth. It's a time when so many people are looking towards the future. And so many people are like, I have made a New Year's resolution to find love. I'm seeing it, folks. I'm seeing it in my inbox. Okay, maybe I'm not seeing it, but I it's palpable in the number of emails, texts, voicemails, and voice memos that I have accrued this season. This is the season for love. Dating Sunday is upon us. This year, it falls on Sunday, January 8th. That's the time when dating apps see the biggest spike in activity. So I want you to be primed and ready to pounce by then. And that is why I've decided to dedicate the entire first episode of the year to your questions in an all-new, all-dear Demona episode. I have questions like, some of my date's questions make me uncomfortable, but I do like them. How should I respond? And I'm in the process of moving, but I want to start meeting matches in my new location right away. Am I getting ahead of myself? Let me not get ahead of myself, but let's get ready for Dear Demona. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This one came to me in an email from a listener named Dee. She says, I'm a 28-year-old woman who recently moved to a new city one year ago. Prior to moving here, I broke up with my boyfriend in 2020. Kind of a weird breakup parentheses, but what's a normal one? And I moved back home. While there, I didn't really date because I was just finding myself. But since moving across the country, I've not had any dating luck. When I first moved here, I was meeting quite a few guys on the dating apps, but it never seemed to go anywhere. Either they were really interested in me and I wasn't in them or vice versa. Recently, though, I've been having terrible issues with guys not following through on plans. They mention something, then never follow up. I have this rule that I match the other person's energy. If they seem interested, I match that. But I don't want to put myself out there and seem desperate. There's the old rule. If a guy's interested, he'll let you know. You won't have to guess. I rarely text guys first. And if they don't follow up, I don't either. Am I being smart in this approach? Or what can I do to change it so that they know I'm interested? D, you got a lot of rules, girlfriend. You got a lot of rules. And I think rules are helpful to a point when they are sort of guidelines, but when they bring us distress, that's when we have to go, is this rule really serving me? Or is this rule really the rule that I want? And is it if it's not giving me the outcome, maybe the rule needs to be adjusted. So so I'm gonna look under the hood of your question and try to get to the root of what is the outcome you are trying to create with the rules that you have written. And you actually answered it for me when you said, I don't want to put myself out there and seem desperate, right? Nobody wants that. Why? Because we don't want to put in more effort than they seem to be putting in. And we don't want disappointment. We don't want to feel like our emotions have been toyed with or that we have put all this energy out there and it's all for naught. And that is a very relatable feeling, D. So 
to avoid that potential outcome? How do we design rules that actually support that instead of what we have always heard or what we think or what has always been the rule? I think with texting, all bets are off. Like, first of all, gender roles, let's stop. Like, really, let's be done with them in 2023. Because texting doesn't have a gender. Technology doesn't have feelings. And we are trying to apply old rules because we're trying to make sense of something that's really totally new. We're trying to make sense of it. And so then we take these old rules. Well, like, a woman shouldn't approach a man, right? Because that that's like not chivalrous, right? And then we say, let's apply that to texting. But it doesn't totally work. And in my uh, one of my episodes before the end of the year, I talked about how we can really solidify ourselves as a real person prior to the date because we're just a name and a phone. And yet we're expecting people to show up for us, to go to the mat for us, to pursue us when they don't really know us. We're just maybe on the apps, like you've exchanged a couple messages, they've seen some pictures, maybe you've seen their stories on IG and vice versa, but that's kind of it. There's not a lot to go on. So I'm curious about this matching the other person's energy rule. I think that's very interesting for a date. But I think it could be hurting you when it's applied to the digital communication that leads up to a date, which is a totally newly emerging communication phase for which there has never been a rule book before. So now we did all of the like, you know, the deep dive work. I'm going to give you the easiest, easiest advice to follow. And I cannot wait for you to write back to me and tell me how much this changes your dating experience. Your issue is that you meet guys on the apps, but they never seem to go anywhere. Do not, first of all, entertain any conversation on the dating apps longer than a week. That's it. They must make a move to meet up. And if you're talking about plans, you're talking about like hypothetical, casual plans, and you've had these issues with guys not following through on plans, is there a date and a time attached to those plans? Because if there's no date and no time, it's not a plan, it's an idea. And you are not going to entertain that any longer. So when somebody says to you, hey, we should get together, it does not break the rules of chivalry, D, for you to say, when are you free? I'm free on Tuesday and Friday. Which one are you free? And then if they're just dragging their feet, they don't respond to you, or they come back with some snide comment, like I've heard this from clients too, of people saying like, oh, well, you're, like, you're so busy. I'm not available any of those dates. I'm available these dates. If they're like difficult with it, Thank you, but no thank you, sir. And that's it. Girl, you're 28. You, you, have, your, you, you have options. You have flexibility. You do not need to be putting up with somebody dragging out your time, chitty-chatting with you on texts and dating apps and messaging back and forth. Like, let's get dates and deadlines, folks. Let's get things on the calendar. So I would say... Definitely stick with the dating apps. Maybe you want to refresh and try a new dating app for Dating Sunday. 
but time is of the essence. Get to a date plan within the first week. Anyone else, it's an unmatch. It's a thank you, but no thank you. But especially because you have moved across country, you're new here, you don't know a lot of people, so so asking for setups, not as easy. You may not be going out socially as much because you don't have your your posse, your crew yet. And dating apps are an excellent option for you to expand your social circle and quickly. So I say double down on that. I say also say yes to a lot of new experiences because you have the benefit of being new. And you can even just say like, I'm new here. I don't know. I don't know anything. Like, take me places. Show me the ropes. And I got to tell you, guys love that. They will love to be your tour guide. And you just need to get to the ones that are actually serious about showing up. Our next question comes to us from a listener named Tamara. Or is it Tamara? I'm going to go with Tamara. <laughs> she says, hi, Demona. I love your podcast. My question is, I met this guy on a dating app and we connected right away. He asked me on a first date, but then told me how to dress for the date, including how to wear my hair and what lipstick to wear. This is a turnoff to me. I am not a Barbie doll. And I think I can plan my own outfits. Is this a red flag? Girl, it's a red flag for you, isn't it? It's funny because um, one of my prior listeners wrote in because uh, I, I had helped her with dating during the pandemic. And she sent me pictures of her date with her guy where this was during the pandemic. So they couldn't really go out. So he just said, like, be ready in the house at this time. Like, go in your room. I've laid a dress out for you. And when you come out, like, the date will be ready. And this was so sexy for her. And she was so turned on and so into this idea. Now, for me, I was like, just like you, don't tell me what to wear. Like, no, no. I, I'm trying to be neutral here, Tamara, but I'm just like, the feminist in me is having a visceral reaction to that. Like, I appreciate that the romance, I bet you this is something like he saw in a movie or maybe he listened to that episode of Dates and Mates where I was talking about it. I don't know. But he thinks that this is sexy. He thinks this is what you want. So I'm not saying no to him, like this is a red flag, cut him off. I think it's an opening for a conversation. And you can say, I'm more of a dress myself for the date kind of gal but if you give me an idea of where we're going to go, because I do think it's a, it, it's smart to have an idea of what the date plan is going to be so that you can prepare your outfit. And this is why I have my clients set a dating capsule wardrobe so they know, oh, if we're going to be walking and we're doing an active date, I'll wear X. If we're doing drinks, I'll wear Y. If we're going fancy, I'll wear Z. So that is already prepared. But I, I think this is an opportunity for you to find your voice. And then the tell will be in how he reacts to that. Because he's definitely doing it because he thinks that you think that this is sexy. And maybe he had a prior date or ex that really liked it. But you're not a Barbie doll, honey. <laughs> you can plan your own outfits. And if it's a turnoff for you, then that is something you got to let him know. All right. I got a little heated on that last one. And we're just getting started. I have more questions. Like, I haven't dated in seven years, and the idea of getting back out there makes me anxious. What do I do? Well, let's take a chill pill, take a couple deep breaths, and let's stick around. 
Welcome back. Tis the season for digital dating. So we have one more question on dating apps. This is an Instagram message from a listener named Jay. She says, I've been single since February. I've rebuilt my self-esteem. Yes, honey. I've been in therapy. Yes, honey. I have lost 13 pounds. Yes, honey. And I have accomplished personal goals this year. You go, Jay. She says, I'm ready and excited and open to accepting a new love. I currently live in Denver, but I'm moving to Seattle at the end of this month. Is it okay to start matching and connecting with people on Hinge before I arrive, as long as I'm honest about not being there yet? And how do I keep a connection alive and not disappoint people that I'm still in the process of moving there? Great question, Jay. And another reason why dating apps are such useful tools. It's funny because I wrote a Washington Post Date Lab article... Uh, September, I think, about this couple who had matched on a dating app before I matched them on Date Lab. And he had gone on, coincidentally, also Hinge, before he moved to the D.C. area. And he was hoping to kind of get a head start like you did. Now, I can tell you what his result was. He had a lot of conversations and a lot of threads, which were useful in just kind of getting a sense of what the dating scene was like, but he didn't have a lot of dates that manifested into anything. And in in the specific case of this woman that we matched him with, but they had matched, they had even chatted. And once he moved there, the ball kind of got dropped and they never made connection. And it's not because she was disappointed. It's because like, kind of like I was saying in the first segment, she didn't feel like he was really real, I don't think. Like they were just chatting, but it was it was a diversion. It was entertainment. If somebody is not physically there and able to actually date you in person, you kind of think of like, well, this is something to do at 1030 after I've had a glass of wine and, you know, watched uh binge-watched Love is Blind or Too Hot to Handle or whatever. I don't know what y'all are watching, F-Boy Island. (laughs) But she didn't take the initiative to move the conversation forward. So what I would say is, and he didn't either. So I would say to you what the important thing to do if you're going to do that is clarify why are you doing it. Like, are you actually trying to Begin conversations that can turn into dates. Are you actually trying to build your dating skills instead? Or are you trying to build your dating skills? Are you just looking for entertainment? Are you trying to get a sense of the dating scene? Are you trying to find out fun things to do? Are you just looking to meet friends? Like clarify that first before you go on the app because the disappointment comes when you and this person have different relationship dating goals and you haven't communicated that to them or you flip-flop and change your goal and then they feel like it's a bait and switch. But as long as you're upfront about it, yeah, people will match with you. Yeah, you'll be in conversations. I really recommend, remember the one week rule, I think you should have a video date before you have a real date if you're starting like a month in advance because that's a long time to keep an online courtship and it could end up being like an absolute waste of your time. So I would kind of like to see or 
just go on as like a looky-loo and maybe like if Hinge is your primary app, maybe don't start with Hinge because you want that juicy newness of like, ooh, new person, new area, new profile, because you are going to do a profile polish, right? Before, when you get there and you'll have new pictures and you'll be fresh. So you get bumped up in the algorithm. Of course you are because you listen to the show. So I would say maybe do a starter app first, one that is not your primary app, just to kind of get a sense of the vibe there. And then go on your primary app that you like using, which sounds like as Hinge, when you're actually already there. But kudos to you. New year, new you. And look, you're starting fresh. You're in a new place. You're in a healthy place mentally. You're doing therapy, which I think is really a key element in being relationship ready. You've rebuilt your self-esteem. You've cleared out the cobwebs from that past relationship. And you're ready. I'm happy for you. And I can't wait to hear how it goes. Our next question came to me in a voice memo. You guys know I love a voice memo. Hey, Devona. Love, love, love your podcast. So my name is Princess, and I just turned 21. And I'm on these introduction apps. Uh, which is what one of your guests called them. I think that's very accurate. Anyway, I'm on these things. I'm wanting a meaningful long-term relationship. And my settings are for the matches is the same. So I'm only, you know, matching with guys that put relationship or whatever, marriage in their profiles. So here's the thing. I'm finding that some of these guys be putting, you know, relationship or something, but they either back off from that or they say they're just checking it out or, you know, I have to see what can be built. Um, of course, it's fine to not know what you want, um, but I think they should just, like, put that, you know, because it even has that. You know, I don't know. I just feel like they're missing the point of the dating goal field. I don't know. And they think my initial message is some kind of, like, proposal or something. So what do you think is going on here? Am I being too hard on them? Or uh, are these some of these dudes like emotionally catfishing me? <laughs> anyway, take care. This is an interesting idea of emotional catfishing. And it seems to be a theme because we had a question before the end of the year of somebody saying people put they want a relationship, but then they don't want a relationship by the end of a few dates. And this is a theme that I'm seeing come up a lot in the questions. So we know talk is cheap. People can put whatever they want in the dating profile. It doesn't mean that they necessarily want that. And it's not necessarily for you, princess. This is just for anyone. It doesn't mean that they necessarily want that with you. And so your challenge and your opportunity is to figure out the people who not only want what you want, but also want what you want with you at the time that you want it. Now, that said, I wonder what's happening in those that text phase. And you know how I'm always talking about texting and how it's a new phase and we, we are kind of doing the new phase like we did the old phase, which was like actually talking to people face-to-face, -face, and it doesn't play the same way. It hit different. <laughs> it hit different when you text something versus when you hear something on the phone, in a voice memo, in person. And it's possible that even though you've said you want a relationship and they do want a relationship, maybe there's an intensity 
to the way that this information is being delivered upfront over text, like, like just checking. I don't know how you're doing this. Just checking. You said you want a relationship. Is this accurate? May I check your references, sir? <laughs> I know you're not doing that. But I'm just saying, if you were to go back and reread some of these messages, is that the subtext? Because, you know, you might say, oh, I really want this relationship. But then this person that I haven't really developed trust with yet, that I don't really know, is like interrogating me and shining a light, which I'm not saying you're doing. I'm just saying maybe that's how it feels to them. They're, they're now forcing me to commit before we've even done the, the dance and developed that sense of respect and trust where I can share my goals and I can see how this is going to develop before I open up to them. So, you know, I like slow love. I, I, I say it's kind of like a waltz. It's like, it's like quick, quick, slow. Quick, quick, slow. Is that a waltz or is that a foxtrot? I'm not really sure. But that's kind of the cadence, right? Like you match quickly. The conversation initially happens quickly. And then it's got to go slow. And those key details of the four pillars of long-term compatibility, which I will recap again, new year, new recap, they are common goals for the future, shared values, similar conflict resolution styles and clear communication, and the fourth one is trust and mutual respect. But guess what? All of those are the pillars of long-term compatibility. None of those things can be assessed prior to a first date, certainly not over text, or even really on the first three dates. Sorry. Like you can get a bit of a sense of somebody's values, but you don't really know them until the fourth, the fifth, the sixth date, and so on which is why I keep talking about slow love, which is why I keep talking about the third date rule, and which is why I'm trying to teach you the waltz in communication with your dates early on. So see if you can just kind of scale back a little bit of the intensity in the messaging phase, drive toward that first date, and then it's fair game for you to ask about relationship goals or kind of get a sense of really where they're at. So you need to do the dance with them. You're doing the dance and we can't rush the dance. We got to go with the beat of the music. And I always sit up and pay attention when someone tells me something is a pattern. Because if it's not just a, a one-off where this happened with one person and so like, oh, maybe you you scare them off and that was too much too soon. If it's happening again and again, we start to look at, okay, what is my approach? What's the foundation here? What am I doing? What is the pattern? And then what levers can I pull? How can I shift it to see if I get a different result? So don't back off of your relationship goal. You still want that. It's just when can I trust this person with this information and when will they trust me to share where they're at as well? Whew, you guys are really making me work with these questions, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. So we're going to take another quick break. When we return, we have more questions, including to share or not to share. What should I tell my dates about my personal health issues? I have more questions in my hot little hand, so I'm going to keep it moving right along. Our next question sent in from an anonymous listener said, should I list that I have a child on my dating profile, what are the pros and cons of doing so or not doing so? 
I'm not going to give you an option here. I'm not going to give you pros and cons. There's only one option. <laughs> yes. You should list you have a child in your dating profile. That is key information. Like that is foundational information. If, okay, let's say it this way. If you're like 65 and you have a child who is in college and they're not home and they're very independent and they have their own life and that child has no no, will have no contact with the person that you end up in a relationship with. They won't see them. They may not interact with them for years. Okay, fine to leave off that you have a child in your dating profile. But if you got anybody under 18 who's living in the house part-time, who has visitation, who is a part of your life, that's really important information for you to share. That said, I do have a rule, no children's pictures in dating profiles. That means no pictures of your kids. That means no pictures of your friend's kids. That means, um, mom, if you're listening, no pictures of my kids. <laughs> so that's my rule is to acknowledge it, but not make everything about it. Because it is important information as to whether or not that person is building the same life that you are or that you have. But they have to see you as a sexual being. They have to see you as desirable, not as someone's parent. So not that being a parent isn't sexy. Of course, I'm a parent. I'm very sexy. But <laughs> as far as dating, it's, it's sort of just information. But disclosing it, absolutely. There are people who will be mad as heck. If you do not tell them that you have a child. In fact, I did have a client. This happened to a client of mine. And they literally didn't find out that this person had a child until they were either about to be engaged or they were already engaged. And this person had like a full-fledged child human that lived in another state. But, you know, they were angry. They were very hurt and angry that that person, that their partner didn't share that information. And even though it was uh, a child that they didn't see regularly and they weren't really a part of their life, which is kind of another conversation, um, but that that hurt them that their partner didn't share that information. So I say get it out of the way in the beginning because it is really important. And I'm sure you're a fantastic parent and you're very involved in your child's life and you're having a meaningful impact there. And in time, the person that you bring into your life may also have a meaningful impact on your child's life too, but uh, they got to know that they exist. Our final question of this All Dear Demona episode comes from a listener named A. A says, I was listening to a recent Dates and Mates podcast about the power of being vulnerable while dating. I'm in my mid-30s and I was diagnosed with some health issues in my late 20s and early 30s. I am managing my health. I'm in decent shape. And one wouldn't know by looking at me that I'm dealing with any health issues. I'm actively dating and I'm starting to notice that the average dating questions around lifestyle choices, exercising, diet, etc. trigger me. These questions get asked early in the dating process. Is there a way for me to politely or playfully decline or pivot from answering these questions until I'm comfortable sharing? I don't want to lie and or raise any red flags. Truthfully, I've always found questions about my body shallow, judgmental, and intrusive. Any advice that you can share would be appreciated. Well, first of all, I'm sorry, A, to hear that you're dealing with health issues. I know that can really impact the way you move through dating and move through life. And 
I know it may feel like you're the only one. I don't know what the specific health issue is, but I'm sure there are a lot of listeners right now who can relate to this question, whether it be a mental health challenge that they're not sure how to answer or how to discuss or a physical health challenge. Most people have something that they are are dealing with and yours may be more impactful to the way that you live your life, but it doesn't mean it's any less impactful when you are dating and people are trying to get to know you and you feel like you have this secret, you have this thing that you can't tell them or you want to tell them, but if you tell them, you're afraid that it might lead to a rejection. So I wonder what happens, A, if you actually bring it up a little earlier on and you just say it like it's not a thing. Like, oh, by the way, I have this thing that I live with. I manage it this way and it's not a big deal. And if you then own the elephant in the room, as I say, then it's off the table because I think it's triggering you because you are suppressing information and you have this thing that it almost feels like they're already judging it or they're commenting on it without even knowing what it is, right? So my philosophy has always been like, nobody can hold anything over you. Nobody can have power over you if you own what it is first yourself. And of course, we were just talking about people earning information from you and that you can't just share everything you know, on the first date. But I would say if it's causing stress for you, either being triggered by things that they say because they don't know or being triggered because you feel like you're holding this information in, I say liberate yourself. And again, you, you can just work it into conversation like it's not even a problem. Oh, by the way, yeah, I deal with this. Da, 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 da. And like, but you know, everybody deals with something. Do you, do you have a thing you want to tell me? Let's get it out now. Like put it out there and then you own the trajectory of the conversation from there, not them. Of course, there's always a way to politely or playfully decline from answering any question on a date. And I always say, you don't have to answer anything that makes you uncomfortable, whether it's past relationship history, health information. You don't owe anyone on a first date anything. But a great way to pivot any conversation is like, oh, I'll tell you more about that when I get to know you better. Or like, oh, that's a whole story for another day. Or, or <laughs> like, who are you, my therapist? Like, who are you, my doctor? <laughs> you know, and then usually you, you, and that's my style, but you might have another style of if you kind of turn it and make it a joke and come up with a phrase that is authentic to you so that you have that as your go-to and it can be sort of an automatic response that you don't have to think about or start sweating or like get awkward about or get angry. It's just like, that's my catchphrase, right? And I guarantee you something like that will make the person be like, oh yeah, that was like kind of rude. That was a little bit intrusive. And look, we all have different relationships with our bodies and for better or worse, our bodies are part of attraction and part of the dating process. So uh, if you feel that questions about your body make you feel like they're shallow, judgmental, or intrusive, you own that. Like that is that is how those kind of questions make you feel. But 
just also own that other people might not have that same relationship with their body or with these questions. So this is where that communication piece really comes in and being able to express how something makes you feel and have a a go-to pivot so that you can stay in a place where you can feel regulated, where you feel like you are in control of where the conversation goes and what you share, and you can decide who you want to let in, who you want to open up to, and how you want to include them in your journey. I love you guys. I love, love, love doing Dear Demona episodes. I love getting your questions. And I hope you've enjoyed episode 444 of Dates and Mates. Somebody please look up the angel numbers on this one, 444. (laughs) And this is, oh, the first episode of 2023. I love making this show for you. So please leave us a review. If you love Dates and Mates, you want me to know which guests you want to hear more from, what topics I should cover. Let us know in the reviews. Tell us why you love the show. And please tell a friend about Dates and Mates. We are trying to heal more hearts in 2023. We are into cuffing season. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So let's all spread the love. I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Demona Hoffman. Also TikTok. (laughs) I don't know why that makes me giggle like a schoolgirl, but yeah, follow me there too. And you can also call me or text me your question anytime, day or night at 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with Vedic astrologer and relationship coach and actually my mentor, Carol Allen. She's going to be here to help us understand the stars of 2023 and compatibility as it relates to someone else's astrological imprint. Ooh, We do a talk with her every year, and it's one of my favorite episodes, so I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, I wish you happy dating Sunday and happy dating.